Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 Now in the Horn. 512 Friday, we play jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings who you have the pleasure of being able to see right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Lou Apollo. He's playing Saturday at Central Machine Works. Yeah, I like this. This is a jam right here. Yeah, Cool. New stuff. New artist. New stuff. Yeah, I like this. This is good workout music stuff. I like this. Uh, all right, my man Patrick, always hooking you up with new jams, trying to broaden your horizons. If you missed any of these selections for 512 Friday, please go catch them on the uh, the website, hornfm.com. That's the best way to do it. We'll get back to some Combine updates here. Uh, we'll also, speaking of the Combine, interesting story coming out of the Combine uh, related to C.J. Stroud and a question that he had to answer at the podium that has become um, rather controversial uh, with the answer that he gave. We'll get to that coming up. We'll also talk about the Cowboys. Uh, the word on the street is, through the grapevine, that they are working a deal at the NFL Combine right now. Big deal. All right, the Cowboys are brewing. We'll get into that, too, coming up here in this segment. And also talk about the latest update on one Lamar Jackson. Next segment, we'll preview Texas versus Kansas a little bit and talk about uh, their uh, their seeding, which, man, tournament seeding, where you talk about the Big 12 tournament, or you're talking about the big dance uh, in, the Mar- in March Madness. Either one uh, looks like there could be a little movement with Texas' seeding, considering how they are uh, ending the season right now and they've uh, lost two in a row for the first time all season trying to bounce back big game coming up versus Kansas at home uh, this weekend we'll talk a little bit about that uh, but before we do that let's get into this story that we referenced last segment my man Patrick he is the man he's one of the hardest working members of the Aryan family so he's already pulled the audio of CJ Stroud at the combine so we can have some some context on this quote that has gone a little bit viral so I don't know. The question's not in this, right? I don't think so. I don't, and I don't even know what the question is. So I'm not going to act like I do because I have not seen, I believe, on this Barstool story. They don't give the question that was asked. But you can, you know, from context clues, if you will. All right. You can kind of figure they asked him about what quarterbacks he looks up to, who he patterned his game after. It's a question along those lines. And here is C.J. Stroud's response. He, uh, one of the, even one of the reasons I wore number seven was because Michael Vick. Uh, so um, he inspired me not only just to uh, be athletic and use my athleticism, but uh, as a black quarterback to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. And that's something that he was very underrated in. Uh, so, and then I like I looked up to Deshaun Watson a lot as somebody I feel like I have a similar playing style to. And then Joe Burrow, uh, being able to create, uh, not being the fastest guy ever, but being able to kind of extend plays, uh, throw guys off of you, just be tough. And that's something that, uh, that I feel like I do in this game. One out of three ain't bad. Okay, he did say Joe Burrow, and I threw Joe Burrow in there a little bit. I said I can the, the Mike Vick thing can be 
justified because you can just go through not only did you, you know, obviously be inspired by what he did on the field and his style of play, but then um, to kind of justify the reason, you know, hey man, you know what? And he went through something off the field, trial, tribulations, and was able to overcome that, become a better person, pay a debt to society, and show us about redemption and, you know, being able to, oh, you know, being able to, even even when you do something wrong, all right, being able to come back after that and still uh, play football at a high level. Maybe it could have been something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Either but, way. But this is also like around the era that if he would have said Steve McNair. Steve McNair would have been a good one, too? Yeah, but Steve McNair also would be like, did you how much games did you watch of Steve McNair? Because Michael Vick, that, the age doesn't work out Steve, for me. Steve McNair would have been a good that, that's That should have been the one. That, that should have been, been the one. one. Steve but McNair like, would have been a good one. quarterbacks around that era. Dual threat quarterbacks. He wants, apparently, dual threat. He brought up he yeah. brought up dual threat. So, apparently, that's something that inspired him. So yeah. I'm with, I, think your, I think your idea about Steve McNair would have been way better. I don't know if him and his agent, they you know rehearsed this, or practiced this question. That would have been it. Steve I there. don't think they practiced this question. Ah, oh, no. I don't think they did. But, I mean, he gave a genuine answer. He, he gave a genuine they answer. Should, they should teach him about the history of dual-threat quarterbacks so that then he would be better equipped. But those are the guys that inspired him. Those are the guys. But I like your Steve McNair one. Hell, Lamar Jackson's a really good dual-threat quarterback. Uh, Donovan McNabb, Randall Cunningham, Cam Newton. Hell, Russell Wilson was a good one until, like, last year. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess better options than two more, two of the more controversial uh, options that he threw out there. Yeah, you could have picked guys that have never faced jail time. Like Deshaun Watson did not ever. He was not. No he, there was a point that it could have been. There were multiple allegations of sexual misconduct. Yes. yes. But spent less time in a courtroom. But no charges at all. So yeah. I guess he could have. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just really. It's two random, bizarre, bizarre uh, examples to bring up of just, quarterbacks that inspired him. Out of all the quarterbacks, I'm sure he's watched a ton of them, too. It's like the NFL was like, you know what? Combine's not going the way we want it to yet. <laughs> you know what? We need somebody to, to just sandbag their interview. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, I can't. I don't know. Like I said, he must have just been thinking purely about the football and none of the other stuff even – remotely became aware to him at all. He just didn't think. He was talking about football, on the field, and what they've done. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, that's what this, the, the, oh, that's what the combine is about. did point out a good point. You know who C.J. Stroud's agent is? Is it Mulligetta? It's Mulligetta. Ah, so he may okay. personally know Deshaun Watson as well and have met him. And so he's like, oh, that's my guy now. And he's not thinking of anything else. He's just like, oh, no, Mulligetta put us together to talk about the NFL. Okay. And I am not thinking, oh, this guy did a bunch of bad stuff to women. He's thinking, oh, this guy was really nice to me. Allegedly. Allegedly really nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm just messing with you. No, no, I get it. No, that's, so uh, that, that does make sense. That, that's a great point. Great so point, I can understand it. It all I understand all of it. And maybe he met Michael Vick and Michael Vick had a little, you know, yeah, I can believe Michael Vick went, went around. Yeah. That's true, too. Good point. I can believe all that. Yeah. Also, Mulligata should have told you, don't say those things in interviews. <laughs> it just, like I said, you could have said, hey, Jalen Hurts just played in the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe, you know what I think it is? Mulligata wants a challenge. <laughs> hey, he, well, he just, he I know, had, he said, he's like, look, man, I just, I got Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. Hey, man, go in the interview and tell me, like, tell me, like, Mike Vick and, and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Mulligata's bored. At this point, he's, <laughs> he's a Johnny Cochran of NFL agents at this point. And he is, he's just trying to, fig, trying to figure out the next task for him, the next challenge for him. But you're right. I mean, I did not know. That's a great point, and that may be very well all it is, is that, hey, it's just a quid pro quo. It's just like, hey, man, 
I need you to, you know, say something positive about Deshaun. Could it be something as, as simple as that? We did just get some breaking news on the Cowboys. Uh-oh. Uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Cowboys plan to put a franchise tag on Tony Pollard if he is not signed by the deadline. Okay. No. So so that would be the guy of Tony Pollard will be a Cowboy next a season way. one way or the other. And they need to cut Zeke then. They, they do. I mean, yeah. but that is, that is interesting enough news because it means Dalton Schultz is gone or he has to be re-signed, but Dalton Schultz will not get the franchise tag. And so we know they, they only get one. They're going to put it on. Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard that, that makes more it sense. Makes He's your most explosive player on offense, arguably, other than C.D. Lamb. And C.D. Lamb is coming back, and he's on, obviously, a rookie deal. And you got to make sure you have as many proven commodities around Dak as possible. And it's, it's only really two because you're losing Dalton Schultz. Yeah. So you only really got two. I know Michael Gallup's coming back, but I mean, he's coming back off of a year that was considered an underwhelming year. Yeah. we were. He needed to progress. And he did. I mean, and I get you're coming off an injury, but – Again, he was a wide receiver three, trying to move him up to wide receiver two, and then the injury got in his way, and he didn't. I mean, he looked like at best a wide receiver three this year, so he needs to take that step and rehab in the offseason and get back to being a wide receiver two. Even with Tony Pollard being uh, now franchise tag, at least he will be tagged by the Cowboys if they don't sign him to a new deal or whatever. Yeah, um, I still think if Bijan's there at twenty six, you take him. Yeah, I mean you need to, and him. we know Tony Pollard is not yeah. an every down back. Yeah. I know it's I think, crazy, but yeah, it's just because it's it's too much value to pass up at that spot. And if you're going to run the damn ball, as Mike McCarthy wants to say, you're gonna need a running back. You, got, you need two. <laughs> you need more. You need than two in this league. You're right. Yes, you do, brother. I totally agree with that. Uh, speaking of the Cowboys, uh, there's some rumblings that the Cowboys are getting ready to make a deal at the combine, and the uh, Locked On Cowboys podcast, I believe, is where we got the audio. It was um, Bobby Belt and Brian Broaddus who were speaking about rumors at the Combine. And apparently there are multiple rumors at the Combine that the Cowboys are working on a deal. Nobody knows exactly what the deal is. Um, Do we have the sound, Patrick? Here is Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt talking about these rumors at the Combine about the Cowboys working on a deal. Stephen Jones did say from the Combine that they are working on something big. And Michael Gelkin said the same thing. Well, excuse me. Gelkin said it, and I think Stephen was kind of talking about it as a possibility. But Michael Gelkin, who's very plugged into this team, we talked about him, Todd Archer, very plugged in, a lot of talented writers, men and women here. But Gelkin, I wonder if Gelkin off, off to the side got somebody to tell him, hey, they're working on a big, big deal. That's why I threw the Diggs name out there. Maybe one of these wide receivers or something like that, you know. But that's a very, yeah, that's the case, and yeah, it's a very interesting proposition. Uh, They they definitely, uh, I I think, are are motivated to make this football team better. Now, how they interpret that and how they interpret making the football team better may be different than how the fans would interpret it. But I think it's probably Odell Beckham. It's probably just Odell Beckham. I love it. Then he's like, it's probably just Odell Beckham Jr. And honestly, it might just be Odell Beckham Jr. Or maybe it's just what Patrick just referenced. It could just be Tony Pollard. They work on work- Yeah. And that was, a, they're like, look, we're working on it, but it may not get done by Tuesday. So we're going to franchise tag him if not and still work on that deal. Yep. that It could be that too. Or it could be them actually trying to tr- make a trade. Um, maybe, you know, obviously it could be something that's for the draft or something that's not unveiled into the draft. But maybe because this is essentially the NFL's 
convention. All the coaches, all the execs, all the owners, everybody's there. Easy to make deals. Everybody's uh, accessible. Uh, maybe they're working on something that could happen around uh, the draft that will bring more weapons to Dak Prescott. Let me ask you this. What would you consider a big deal for the Cowboys? Like, what would have to, for it to be an actual big deal, not the Tony Pollard, not Odell Beckham, what would have to be a big deal? That would, like, shock me? You would say, you would come me? on these airwaves and go, the Cowboys actually made a big deal. Oh, man. That would have to be something crazy, like them trading for Jalen Ramsey. Okay. Like, thing. So it's something that. like, it's something That's like Ramsey. That's a big deal. That's a like, big Brandon deal. Brandon Cooks, is Brandon Cooks falling a big deal? Brandon Cooks. I don't know if it's a big deal. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Well, depending on the it depends, deal, it but. depends on how much they, it depends on how much yeah how much the, the Cowboys are going to pay up that contract and how much the Texans are going to pay up that contract. Yeah. But you're right. That's a good. I don't know if it's a big deal because Brandon Cooks is he considered you know a game changer anymore? No, because he's a wide receiver too on the Texans or and, in the Cowboys. Sorry, and he, yeah, you're exactly he's right. He's a wide receiver too on the Cowboys because Ceedee Lamb's a wide receiver one. But then that'd be good. Getting back to your point. Michael Gallup can naturally fall back into his wide receiver three role. It does, but now you're paying the whole, we don't want to pay our wide receivers no, this much. No. You are now paying a ton of money a wide receiver. That's true. If you, that's, what, that's why I don't want, the Brandon Cooks deal is only a good deal for the Cowboys if they can sucker the Texans into paying most of that contract and taking that dead money. Because I think I still think he's a big cap hit. Yeah. I believe he's close to around $17, $18 million. Oh, yeah, and I think he has another year after this, too, that's going to be on the cap hit as well. Yes, he does. He does. So it's, it's a multi-year you don't even get to deal with it unless he's going to restructure on a deal, but I, you don't know if he's going to do that either. You could restructure. That's a good point. Uh, he could agree because he won't restructure with the Texans because he doesn't like them anymore. He wants yeah, exactly. out. If he wants to be somewhere, I could say he's a team guy, though. He's been. So he could come over yeah. and go, hey, let's restructure and make this a longer term deal. So I've only got one year left. Let's move it up to four years and spread the money out, but give me more on the back end. Um, and getting back to this point about Brandon Cooks, uh, it was, and I got this from uh, Sports Illustrated. So there is a report coming out of Frisco from CowboysSI.com uh, that Houston is taking trade calls, of course, about Brandon Cooks. And remember, Dallas was interested in Brandon Cooks this past season, last October. Um, the trade deadline. Yeah, but they, they couldn't apparently. Appa- yeah, apparently they were on the phone up until the trade deadline. And the Texans basically, because the price tag was so high for Brandon Cooks, because Nick Casario stupidly renegotiated uh, and extended him without any reason at all. So he his his his, his price was his price tag was bloated basically, and the Cowboys wanted the Texans to take on the majority of that salary, and the Texans refused. I believe that was the the yeah, sticking. The point. Texans wanted the picks, and they wanted the salary gone. Yeah, you can't have both, and you can't have both. You, you had to take both. one or the other. They should have just paid the salary and taken the picks, but that's not what they wanted. Yeah, uh, so basically, the, <clears throat> however, issues tied to Cooks' $18 million guaranteed 2023 uh, year on the veteran receiver's contract created an obstacle that the Cowboys and the Texans could not overcome. That made it more complicated. So now uh, Cooks is having that base salary of $18 million for 2023. So he still got that. <clears throat> we don't know how that's going to be offset. But the... Right now, at least, the, it says the Cowboys may still be interested in Brandon Cooks. Not sure exactly what the price will be if he's going to renegotiate that deal or the Texans are finally willing to take on some of that dead money from Brandon Cooks if they trade him. But I don't know if they – yeah, right now they got to trade him. So they, don't have, they really don't have a lot of leverage. He's, he's demanded a trade, and they have to trade him. 
and and they really don't at this point when they start over with their new quarterback, they don't want a veteran Brandon Cooks in that locker room unhappy who want, who doesn't want to be on the squad with that kind of money. You might as well just start over and really just take on the dead money at this point. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's a weird thing, but when you're rebuilding a team like the Texans are from such ground up, mm-hmm. having a little bit of dead money for a few years isn't the worst thing in the world because basically you go, all right, we're going to try and open our window in two years. And we open that window, mm-hmm. if we have this dead money, and we turn those into picks, and we can turn dead money into picks, and then all our dead money disappears in two years, and now we have a bunch of money we can spend on free agents because it was just sitting on dead money or re-signing a couple guys we need to get back in. Now we can actually make a push to go for it. It's not the end of the world in a building scenario. Yeah, when you're where the Texans are, it's, it's definitely so not you, something that's debilitating. If you can take on money for picks at this point, please take on money for picks. I agree with that. And, they, and they're doing a good job of stockpiling picks for the next two years. And I think they are projecting their window, like right now, projecting their window maybe to be in 2025 or 2026. Yeah. And, they, and that, that's like all a, completely compla- on, put on how the quarterback they draft yeah, and works you, out. And how you hit. You got to hit on these draft picks. You can't yeah. just have them. You got to hit on them. But if they hit on them and they hit on the quarterback, they think their window might be 2025 because this draft and then the next draft, those are drafts where they're stockpiling. Yeah. Other young players. Or if you can believe half of reports right now that the, the Texans are not even going to take a quarterback. Well, the silly season. I know. <laughs> and it's funny because half reports are like, of course they're going to trade up and get the, the number one pick and take the quarterback they want. And the other reports are like, oh, they're not trading up and they're going to get a defensive lineman. And they're going to like, dude, <laughs> Texans, I swear. And like, I'm not even there again. But you did it twice where you passed on quarterbacks to take defensive linemen. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, they did. And how did that work out for you? Mm. It never did, did it? It's no. never worked out. So stop doing it. And yeah. I get, I get, I and I get the whole concept of, hey man, we got to build from lines out. But when the fact is, well, we have this one thing that's a Fabergé egg, and this other thing that's an egg. We can get other eggs. You can't get other Fabergé eggs. Well, there's think- one that is very, very valuable. You can't get top of the line, grade A, top perfect eggs. You're not going to get that that game changing defensive lineman. But you can get a lot of good linemen. You're not getting Joey Bosa. You can get the rest of the 49ers D line. No, what 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 really traumatized you traded one of them to him. No, it traumatized the Texans when they drafted David Carr and he became the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. Yeah. Um, and from then on, they basically became a little bit, you know, gun-shy, if you will, about drafting quarterbacks with all those picks. Like, but, really but that's also because you drafted, you put Tony Baselli as the first pick in the expansion draft, and, and he never played for you. And they got obsessed with, oh, you know what, we're going to stockpile pass rushers, and you know, which I, I'm with you. I think you should always just try to find the quarterback first. That's the toughest job. Find the quarterback first. Then everything else is easier. Well, and hey, let's draft that. Let's draft that uh, lineman, and then in like two or three years, we'll draft that quarterback. Like, cool. You have the 14th pick now. You don't get that quarterback anymore. So now you're taking a swing in the dark at pick 14 for a quarterback that may be great or he may be garbage, and you're (laughs) just gonna have to figure it out. Like, you very rarely get a chance to take a top quarterback. You very rarely get that top three pick. And if you're building on D-line, your hope is that you're not going to be the worst team in the league anymore. Yeah. No, it's too much of a premium position. And, yeah, I mean, the Texans, they're obviously going to draft a quarterback. If they don't, uh, at this point, I mean, people will – People will ride in that city if they don't drop the quarterback, especially with D'Amico Ryan's being the new guy. I have full faith 
that at least they'll be competent enough as an organization to use their top pick or most of their draft capital or move it up in the draft to get the quarterback they want. If they don't, I'll be like Patrick. I'll renounce my fandom. I'll be uh, having a fandom free agency coming up next year. Uh, all right, uh, real quick, uh, while we got some time here, because I want to get to this Dallas Cowboys story. Well, it's not really a story. <clears throat> it's just really a subject more than anything. The Dallas Cowboys keep referring to the the – 20 to 30 to 35 percent of the playbook that is going to change. Uh, Mike Gelkin, Michael Gelkin, he tweeted out Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy said he thinks OC Kellen Moore did an excellent job and and a complimentary nature of the offense improved. Um, He believes change is healthy every few years. He also said, quote, I've just felt this was a good time to make that change about 30 to 35 percent change for players. Same language. Um, he also, or at least Mike Mike McCarthy must have told Dak Prescott the same thing, or at least they're thinking along the same lines. Because Dak Prescott told Yahoo Sports, um, I think if anything, um, it's that things need to be changed. It's great to dial in, fix some things, get sharper and crisper. I'm excited. Right now, Mike told me about 20 to 30% change of the offense. And then Stephen Jones, executive vice president. Uh, when he was asked about how much of the offense is going to change from Kelly Moore being a play caller to Mike McCarthy, um, he said he agreed with most of what Kelly Moore wanted to do on offense, um, but he says that Mike McCarthy thinks about 15 to 20% of the offense needed to change. Oh, in his mind, we can be better. We can take the next step on offense, get to the next level. So 20 to 30% of the offense somewhere in that range. So I started thinking to myself, all right, so what does that entail and what does that actually mean? So, based on Brian Schottenheimer becoming the new OC and Mike McCarthy's play calling trends and tendencies and some of uh, the patterns that you kind of recognize from Mike McCarthy's play calling days, here is a start of what I think the 20 to 30% is going to be. So, the Cowboys run a ton of hitch routes. You'll probably notice if you're a Cowboys fan, you're probably upset about all the damn hitch routes they run. It makes their passing game a lot easier to defend because they run a lot of what they call stop routes. Uh, Coach Sark hates stop routes. He's a big movement route guy. Two types of routes. Movement routes, stop routes. Movement routes, self-explanatory. They're on the move, right? Non-stationary targets. And Dak under Kelly Moore, there are a lot of stationary targets. Him throwing two a receiver that's open instead of throwing a receiver open. Throwing to a open receiver rather than throwing throwing an op- throwing a receiver open, which is what I think Brian Schottenheimer wants Dak to do in this new offense is to throw receivers open rather than throwing to an open receiver all the time. So with movement routes, so shallow crossers, uh, spears and overs and unders and drives, China passing concepts, as they call them. So you'll see that's a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be your, all your 30 percent. That's a little bit of it. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer also in three years with Seattle. He loves the play action pass. He is known for being a play action pass game extraordinaire. As a matter of fact, uh, three years in Seattle, their play action pass rate was eighth in that time span. Uh, nearly 30 percent play action pass rate. That's extremely high. Dak, as we've all talked about ad nauseum. Now I can go go over the numbers here because every Cowboys fans knows at this time, Dak is much more effective with play action than without. As a matter of fact, down near every quarterback is much more effective with play action than without. It's a cheat code and a force multiplier for them. Brian Schottenheimer also 
51% run rate on first down. The Cowboys had 57% run rate on first down. He rather with he'd rather throw it on first down early down pass rate. Mike McCarthy led the NFL in early down pass rate from 2010 to 2018. Now it helps when you got Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, but still that's one of his tendencies. He wants to throw the ball on early downs. Now I know that's a little bit uh, and the antithesis really pretty much of what he talked about wanting to run the ball more, but I think that could be more of a miscommunication. I, I think they mean they want to run the ball better. They want to be more effective running the ball, not they want to run the ball more. They don't need to run the ball more. They need to run the ball better. Um, you go look at the uh, the Cowboys' offensive drives, and 28% of their offensive drives in 2022 were run, run, pass. The most predictable uh, sequence in a drive, run, run, pass. Uh, and that was the third. They had the third highest rate of run, run, pass offensive drives in the NFL. Tenth highest rate of three and outs. They, they, they can't be the case. And I think a lot of that is because they started Cooper Rush. So, you know, that's five games right there of Cooper Rush and them trying to dial back the offense for a backup quarterback. I get that. Uh, but in 2022, when Dallas passed the ball on first down, they had the second highest down set conversion rate behind Kansas City when they threw the ball on first down. But when they ran the ball on first down, they dropped all the way down to 22nd in uh, down set conversion rate. So I don't care what Mike McCarthy says. You can't just be running the ball on first down. You can have an extension of the running game. You can have easy completions, high percentage passes on first down. But you can't just be bogged down running the ball on first down unless you got a beast, a Derrick Henry in the backfield, maybe a Bijan in the backfield. Who knows? Uh, Brian Schottenheimer also is a big advocate of inside zone running schemes. Cowboys prefer the outside zone right now. He likes the inside zone running scheme. When he was with Seattle, 41% of their runs were inside zone, third highest rate in the NFL. The Cowboys in 2022 only ran inside zone 19% of the time. That was 20, 20%, sorry, uh, 19th most in the NFL at 20%. So they, they're probably going to run a lot more inside zone. They're going to have a lot more movement routes instead of the hitch routes and the stop routes. Play-action pass rates are going to increase exponentially. And I know he wants to run the ball more, but I think he wants to run the ball more effectively. I think you're going to get higher early down, first down pass rates from the Cowboys. I don't know if that... That's, that's the 30%. I don't know if that encompasses all the 30% the offense is going to change, but I think those are some of the key changes that you will see from the new-look Dallas Cowboys offense. All right, we come back. We got Texas basketball conversation to get to. Texas versus Kansas. We'll dive into that a little bit and discuss tournament seeding for the Longhorns in the Big 12 tourney, but also in the Big Dance. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful night the horn. Don't lie right here on 104 down the horn. It is a 512 Friday. We play jams from local bands and artists. Very talented human beings who you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? 
This is the Dizzy Bangers, and they're playing Saturday at Valhalla. The Dizzy Bangers. It's another winner right there. I like that band name. Go to hornfm.com, and you can uh, actually get uh, get caught up with any of the selections you might have missed on 512 Friday. Uh, you can check them out there, and you can look cool in front of all of your friends. Act like you know all the hot spots where all the very talented up-and-coming musicians are going to be playing here in the ATX. Thanks to my man, Patrick. All right, um, let's get into the Texas basketball uh, preview here just a little bit. There's been a lot of talk about this the First of all, the the seeding in the Big 12 tournament for Texas, but also Texas's seeding in the big dance and the projections uh, for the, uh, as Craig Way likes to call them, the bracketological prognostications for Texas as well. Uh, Right now, in terms of the bracketological prognostications, everybody still pretty much has Texas as a two-seed. Yeah. I mean, if they well, this is based on they beat Kansas (laughs) right now. So you're beating you're beating Kansas, who right now is a one seed. Yeah. So if you win that game, you're a two seed beating a one seed. So that means you're still right in that ballpark. Yeah. And then you go and perform well enough and win two games in the Big Twelve tournament. You don't have to win the Big Twelve tournament. You have to win two games in it. Got to represent. Because you probably drop to a three if you drop get dropped out by a much worse, by not much much worse, but But worse. Yeah, lower seed. Lower seed. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because yeah, basically they. The prognosticators, they respect the Big 12 because losing back-to-back games in the Big 12 didn't hurt you because you lost to good teams in back-to-back games in the Big 12. Yeah, and the fact you didn't lose (laughs) two games to a lot of these teams in the Big 12. You split a lot of series, but you weren't getting beat twice by a team. That's a big thing as well. That's a good point. And so Jerry Palm, Joe Lenardi, Fox Sports USA Today still have Texas two-seed, but as Patrick mentioned, you got to close out the season – at really strong. And, and this, again, you just had your first back-to-back loss. You haven't lost a series to anyone this season. Kansas will be the first. So you could mm. have a three-game losing streak and have your first team beat you twice. All not great looks in the season. And to start March. And to start March. So uh, Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think right now for Texas in the Big 12 tournament. So right now, how does it work with the the tiebreakers and everything? I know there's a ton of them. You got so you got three teams that are 11 and six in Big 12 play. Yes, right now that would be case because Kansas has the best record. Of course, it's Kansas. They're 13 and four. But then you got Kansas State, Baylor, and in Texas all the 11 and six. And then the tiebreakers come in. Who be yes. whom and all that kind of stuff. Who has the head to head and all that advantage? And which so I gotta tell you, have not calculated just yet so as far <laughs> as i could tell and i may be off on one of these but uh basically everyone went one and one with kansas so it takes out the equation of going one and one against a better team against each other uh everybody uh, went one and one except kansas state beat baylor twice which is crazy actually so kansas state beat baylor twice which means that they will jump ahead of when you're doing it of what ver- Team versus team ratings against all three teams. Kansas State takes the lead on that one. Then Texas would go behind uh, Baylor, Baylor, I believe, yeah. because it would fall into You're right. that they have one more loss because they lost to K-State twice, right? Yep. So that would be in the three. I believe we would hit in the three seed. Uh, if K-State wins and we win, then we can actually be – then, then the K-State will be the two seed. We will be the three seed because it would fall to – who has a better record against the next highest team in descending order? So it would be Kansas, and then it would go yes. to Baylor, okay, who K State once again beat twice. But that works in your favor 
uh, versus Texas and Baylor, that if Texas and Baylor tied, K-State loses, I believe it would go down to K-State, who Baylor's lost to twice, we beat them once, so then we would jump Baylor. I believe that's how I read it. Man. Now, I'm Man. not an expert on any of this. I read this earlier today, so I think that's basically, if we're looking at, we could be up to a two seed, and if we win, our two seed is if we win and they both lose, or if we win and and K-State loses. I think we can still get a two seed. If K State wins, we are not the two seed. Man, my headache, uh, my headache is starting. I got a little. Yes, yeah. That's from all the stuff of I was looking through it. I know our buddy Jeff Howe had been looking through it this week, and he was like, uh, "Are you trying to go through every possible scenario?" Uh, and it's crazy. Just, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if K State wins, and both teams will play before <laughs> Texas, so Texas will know going into their game, or at least we as fans will know going into the game what our possible outcomes are. Oh, they'll know. Because yep. it's an 11 o'clock game and a 1 o'clock game yeah. going into it. Uh, also not looking great for Texas. Clearly, Texas playing the best team. You're playing the best team in uh, the Big 12 uh, with Kansas. And so that is not great uh, when you're trying to go up against a Iowa State team. Baylor plays Iowa State, who has let go one of their players who's been hurt. I saw that story. Uh, and they've been not playing great down the end stretch. And West Virginia, who has not been a great team this year. Kansas <laughs> State, that is who they're playing. So... It's a Big 12. Mm. Anything is possible. Yeah. But it odds would say Texas would be lucky to have a three seed is what odds would say. Yeah, based on how is, every, the, the matchups to close out the season. Yes. But if you lose, mm. you're probably all the way down to four, which you really don't want to hit. Mm. Yeah, and then like you said, you got to make a you got to win a couple of games in the Big Twelve tournament. And that's the thing is, if you you're have... if you're four seed, that means you are now playing the one seed in the two game, which means you're playing Kansas again most likely, and you would have to then play Kansas r- right away again and have to go up against that again. Oh, on the road. Yeah, and if the, and there is no easy matchups in the Big Twelve anyway, so the Big Twelve tournament is going to be. Either way, it's going to end up being a tough uh, first-round game. If your seeding is at four, it's definitely going to be a tough first-round matchup. Yes. The Big 12 is going to be tough. Any any game is going to be tough. Everything except for those, like the Thursday. If you could play one of those teams, it's going to be playing on Wednesday. (laughs) The the lower seeds that play on Wednesday to get into the the eight-seed bracket, then yes, we could beat beat Oklahoma again. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – I think, you know, this team has a lot to play for because at this point they, you know, they, they lost their first back-to-back uh, games of the season. And I think this team has been resilient all year long. That's one thing we can say about them. They bounce back really well. That's why they haven't lost back-to-back games. I'm expecting a hell of a bounce-back performance from Texas at home too. And even Rodney Terry said, he's like, honestly, the truth is we're just a different team. I heard him say it on uh, Long and Weekly. We're a different team at home. He said, and he said every Big 12 team's a different team at home. They're just way better. And I want to see that, you know, I want to see that in that game versus Kansas. I'd like to see Texas bounce back and have a really strong performance and go into the postseason with some confidence because right now they can't be very confident going into the no, postseason. No, and it's, it's, you want to see them with that sense of urgency for 40 minutes. And we know there's going to be a lax because it's basketball. <laughs> there's, I mean, even good teams have laxes. Yeah, no You're doubt. playing a really good Kansas team. But you want to see the urgency come out and not have to play catch-up for the entire first half to then go into the second half where now you're having to, all right, well, we're we're in the game. we got to come back or we're down. Just go ahead and take it and then 
trying. Let's play. Try and play that style of basketball. I'm with you, man. I'm gonna uh, coming out with their hair on fire with a bunch of intensity. That's what I will expect. Now, whether they win or lose, I'm not sure because Kansas is one of the best teams in the country. But if I don't see the team come out with a ton of intensity and a sense of urgency to start that game, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Very yeah. dis- I won't be disappointed in a loss because if Kansas comes out with more energy than to Texas, start the game because it's. It, Kansas has no reason to care other than they're playing Texas. It's pride for them. They they don't care. <laughs> they're I mean they can lose this game and still get a one seed. I agree with you because they're playing a really good Texas yeah, team. Exactly. So they can go on and then win the Big Twelve tournament and they win both. They win both conference tournaments. They won everything. This game doesn't mean as much to them. Now they're going to try and win it because they're a good basketball team and that's what good basketball teams do. But if you can't have more urgency than someone who doesn't even need the win, when you desperately really need to turn this around before you get to postseason play. After back-to-back losses? Back-to-back loss, first time this year? Yeah. Hey, they, Kansas beat you at yeah. Kansas? Yeah. You don't want that retribution? I'm I waiting. need to see that. Urgency. Exactly. Uh, that's what I'll be disappointed in, so we'll see. But I think Texas is going to come out with a ton of intensity. That's what I'm expecting uh, Saturday when they face the Kansas Jayhawks. We come back. We'll wrap it up. Put it in the oven right here on Ball Don't Lie One the Horn. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie, right to the outro because uh, we're right up against it. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody, if you missed any part of any of the shows, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page just right there. Also, I want to thank all you guys for joining us today. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but more importantly, take care of each other. Have a great weekend. Peace.